But I want to start this morning, of course, with our uh, uh, verse from Hafiz. And uh, I've never done it before, but this morning I felt a little poke in the side from somewhere telling me to kind of go through it verse by verse because it's quite lovely. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hafiz is a wonderful Sufi mystic. And again, I think it's from the 15th century, somewhere a long time ago anyway. And he invites us this morning in this poem. I've read it before, uh, but I can, I'll never be able to read it enough for myself. He says, leave the familiar for a while. Let your senses and your bodies stretch out like a welcomed season onto the meadows and shores and hills. Open up to the roof. Make a new watermark on your excitement and love. Like a blooming night flower, bestow your vital fragrance of happiness and giving upon our intimate assembly. Change rooms in your mind for a day. All the hemispheres in existence lie beside an equator in your heart. Greet yourself. Greet yourself in your thousand other forms as you mount the hidden tide and travel back home. All the hemispheres in heaven are sitting around a fire chatting while stitching themselves together into the great circle inside of you. It's a beautiful idea. Thank goodness it's more than that. He says, leave the familiar for a while. We've talked about this quite a bit. I'm just jumping in because I really do want, there is more here than I can imagine to say. Leave the familiar for a while. Stop assuming all the things that you've grown up that you've used to define yourself you know that I'm this and I like these things and I'm about these things and I think these things are important and I think these things aren't important he says leave that place of assumption for a moment stretch out with your mind and with your body break your habit look back on your week this week did you break your habit at all with the idea of investigating something did you step out of your comfort zone this week a single time to try and understand somebody else's point of view, to try and find a new angle of seeing an idea you thought was very solid and very sturdy and still? Break out of your mind. Break out of your body. Close your eyes and take a deep breath and let go of your definition of who you are for a moment to try something new something different, like a welcomed season onto the meadows and the shores and the hills. Something that you're thinking about, a welcomed season, you know, that aspect of self that you long for, a contentedness, a being, a happiness, a joy in being alive, a reconsideration of the negative place you've caught yourself in or the negative perspective of the world that you've been duped into. Take a moment let your senses stretch out. Let your body stretch out and try new things like a welcomed season onto the meadows and shores and hills. Open up to the roof. Take another look at your limitations. Take another glance at the things you think you can't do or that you can't achieve. Pick up a few of those old dreams you left behind in high school that you thought life would be. Pick it up and dust it off. Open up to the roof. Open up your limitation. Think that maybe you can reach a little bit higher than what you've managed to do. Make a new watermark on your excitement, on your love. Reach out and go farther, go higher, a little bit farther than you've ever gone. A new watermark, a new, a new rise in the tide, a higher place. Try to reach something more exciting than your favorite memory. Try and reach a, an ideal a little bit higher than the one that you've tossed back and forth in your meditations. Push a little bit beyond the limits of what you can reach. Like a blooming night flower, bestow your vital fragrance of happiness and giving upon our intimate assembly. Why a night flower? Because a night flower isn't isn't blooming because of condition. It's not because the sun is shining and now it's opening up. A night flower opens because of its own nature, its own timing, and for its own sake, not to be seen, not to, not to be demonstrated, not to show, 
but just opens up for the sake of opening up, a beautiful flower in the dark that can't be appreciated except for by its fragrance, its presence. Open up like that, not to show, not to be seen, but simply because you love, simply because you are, that it might be a pleasant fragrance to this assembly just to have you around, just to have you amongst us. Change rooms in your mind for a day, for a whole day, he says. Change your perspective for a whole day. Pretend you're a Republican for a day. Pretend, <laughs> pretend you're a Democrat for a day. <laughs> pretend you're a Trumpian for a day. You know, pretend, just step outside of your, of your mind. Step, change rooms. Change perspectives and really try it for a day. Try and understand how can these group of people believe this? How can that group of people believe that? How is it possible that somebody is happy about that happening when it seems to me the worst possible thing in the world? Who are they? And who am I? And what is this separation between us? Change rooms. Poke at it. Find it. Because you'll never understand oneness until you work at it, until you let go of the things that separate you from everyone else. Leave the familiar for a while. Open up to the roof. All the hemispheres in existence lie beside an equator in your heart. What are these hemispheres of existence? What is a hemisphere? It divides a whole into two. All of these dualities that we have, the just those ones that we just mentioned, you know, those who are for Trump and against Trump, those who are Democrats and those who are Republicans, those who are liberals and those who are conservatives. What does it say? All of these lie within you. They're not different people and different things. They're all within you. The possibilities and the potentials of all of the dualities are coming from you. It's you choosing the likes and dislikes, you deciding which side of the line that you're on. But both sides exist within you. Both sides are part of your whole. Both sides make you breathe and make you live. All of them lie beside an equator in your heart. Greet yourself in your thousand other forms. You see, that's why it's necessary. Until you cross that line, until you find the motive in love on both sides of that line, you can't greet yourself in your thousand other forms. You can't love without a condition in the same way that you are loved without condition. You can't understand and hug with a sincerity and an earnestness until you've understood that all of this is within you. Greet yourself. Look for yourself. Welcome yourself in your thousand other forms as you mount the hidden tide and travel back home. That's your journey, to find that oneness, to find that fullness, to find that, that single, singularity of love that exists within all. Greet yourself, have fun, go out, glad hand yourself, you know, <laughs> in your thousand other forms as you hid, mount the hidden tide and travel back home. All the hemispheres in heaven are sitting around a fire and chatting while stitching themselves together into the great circle that is inside of you. So all of this nature, all of this, all of this difference, all of this rough exterior, all of these things, they're sitting around one burning fire, one fire of light, the light of living, the light of being, the light of love. And they're slowly stitching themselves together. And that slow stitching themselves together is that slow process of stepping outside of your mind, changing rooms for a day, reaching beyond your limits, questioning your assumptions, looking for the motive of love that exists within you, and then greet that motive of love in all of your forms, manifesting through and in everyone, finding that compassion, because love alone teaches, everything else breaks down and separates. Love alone teaches. So if you have an opinion different from someone else, you will not affect their opinion at all until they know you love them first. They will not hear your arguments 
until they know you respect them first. They will not understand your position until you've had the conversation that you understand their position. Step outside of your mind for a day. Reach beyond who you thought you were. Experiment with a new place and a new set of assumptions in life. See if you can go higher. See if you can go farther. See if you can be more. That's what's necessary today more than ever. We're not defined by the world around us. We're not pigeonholed by the news or, or by politics or, or by social issues. We're pigeonholed by our own complacency, by our own settling into comfortable assumptions, assuming that there's two instead of the fact that there is one, by walking a little bit too far from that fire of love that burns inside, getting a little bit too far out from the circle to feel the oneness of it. That's what Hafiz is inviting us to do. And hopefully, as we step through the looking glass this morning, that's what we'll find ourselves able to do. We're going to start with just the biggest bomb of all here from Vivekananda. Uh, breaks this whole idea of reality for us. He says, The sun reflected from a million globules of water appears to be millions of suns, and in each globule is a miniature picture of the sun form. So all these souls are but reflections and not real. They are not the real I, which is the God of this universe, the one undivided being of the universe. And all these little different beings all these men and these animals and etc. are but reflections and not real. They are simply illusory reflections upon nature. There is but one infinite being in the universe, and that being appears as you and as I. But this appearance of division is, after all, delusion. He has not been divided, but only appears to be divided. This apparent division is caused by looking at him through the network of time, space, and causation, through mind. This is the beautiful fact of all of the sages. Every avatar that has walked can be summarized in this idea of oneness. The highest stage you can reach in bhakti is to love your neighbor as you love yourself, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love that kind of love you have to understand the oneness. You have to understand yourself in both, to see it and accept it. In the immensity of consciousness, a light appears, a tiny point that moves rapidly and traces shapes, thoughts, feelings, concepts, ideas, like the pen writing on paper. And the ink that leaves a trace is memory. You are that tiny point and by your movement, the world is ever recreated. Stop moving, and there will be no world. Look within, and you will find that the point of light is the reflection of the immensity of light in the body, as the sense, I am. There is only light. Everything else appears. Have you looked at your life that way? that you are just a reflection of the highest ideal of love, that this God that we either live in fear of or in love of, this God of perfect and unconditional love that we put outside of ourselves and make a goal that seems so far and so impossible to reach, have you considered that there's no distance at all? That there's no you that separates yourself from that. That you're a point of that light, a reflection, one of the millions of droplets of reflection in this world. And as you're tracing your path, have you mistaken it for being mundane? Have you been duped into thinking that your life is ordinary? That it's somewhere lost in a sloppy middle? Have, have, have you felt like you were maybe trapped by what you are? Have you forgotten for a moment that you're this infinite point of light tracing its way through an infinite possibility? that in its nature has no limitation, that in its nature has no, 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 no end and no beginning, that has no limit to its expression of life 
to its expression of joy, to its expression of giving and caring and reaching out and thinking and exploring and creating and building. Have you forgotten for a moment this week what you were in this immensity of consciousness? Look within. You will find that point of light is the reflection of this immensity of light in your body, the sense of I am. There are levels in consciousness, according to Sri Nishagadatta, but not in awareness. It is, one of, it is of one block, homogeneous. Its reflection in the mind is love and understanding. There are levels of clarity in understanding and intensity in love, but not in their source. The source is simple and single, but its gifts are infinite. Only do not take the gifts for the source. Realize yourself as the source and not as the river. That's all. So in Sri Nishagadatta's idea, he's saying that there's consciousness, which is the world we play in, you know, where, where there's different reflections and different things going on, but that in this idea of awareness, which is our nature, the fundamental, which is even behind that consciousness, it's consciousness before it shines through and reflects off of all of these other things. He says that that, that awareness, when it's reflected, it reflects only in two ways. It reflects in love, and it reflects in understanding. Everything else that you assume about the world is of ego and delusion. If the things in your life don't seem to be understanding and don't seem to be love, there's a sense of I am that you've removed from that infinite point and have attached to something that, that zips around and changes and moves and has a beginning and has an end. Open up to that possibility that if you were true to yourself, your world would be full of understanding, would be full of love, would be full of light. If at that moment when the ego got offended, you stopped and said, wait, I'm both sides of this argument. I have the potential for both points of view in this argument, in me. If at that moment you can let go of that reaction and be, maybe you can sit next to a person instead of facing them confrontationally. Maybe you can learn from them. Maybe they'll get the idea that you care about what they think. Maybe you both will realize that you're concerned about the same thing, but from very different directions. Maybe you'll understand that you both are human beings who want to love and be loved, who want to give, who want to see infinity, who don't want to die, who don't want to be lonely, who don't want to be hungry, who don't want to be cold, who don't want to be abandoned. And maybe you'll realize that instead of being opponents or enemies, that you are each other's solution. That you, an enemy, are really a friend and their cure for loneliness. Maybe you, an opponent, are really the light that brightens someone's dark assumptions about themselves, reminds them of a greatness inside themselves, shows them that the world isn't the way it appears, that it really is an infinite light of possibility and love and inspiration. There are levels in consciousness, but not in awareness. You are that source. Its reflection in your mind is love and understanding. When the content is viewed without likes and dislikes, the consciousness of it is awareness. But still, there is a difference between awareness as reflected in consciousness and pure awareness beyond consciousness. Reflected awareness, the sense of I am aware, is the witness, while pure awareness is the essence of reality. Reflection of the sun in a drop of water is the reflection of the sun, no doubt, but not the sun itself. Between awareness reflected in consciousness as the witness and pure awareness, there is a gap, 
which the mind cannot cross. <laughs> There's our challenge of letting go. You see this, this world of likes and dislikes that we've put together. You know, this, uh, when the contents is viewed, when, 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 when this world is viewed with this sense of, I like that and I don't like that, it's all you. It's all coming from you. It all simply exists as in its pure state until you meet it. And then you decide whether it's good or bad. You decide whether you like it or don't like it. You decide whether you're going to talk to it or ignore it. You decide whether you're going to be angry at it or embrace it. You decide whether you're going to feel like you're doing without it and you need it. That now you have a lack, whereas 10 minutes ago you didn't. It's you that decides that. Change rooms in your mind for a moment and don't make that decision. When you see that person you decided you didn't like, get out of that room for a moment. Think of something about them that may have made them somebody you did like. Or maybe find the thing in you that's offended by them and let it go for a moment. For the sake of an experiment. To test the limits of yourself. To set a new watermark in who you are and what you can express, and how you can be in this world. Take a chance. Let the ego hurt for a moment. Ignore it for maybe the first time in our life. <laughs> Ignore its demands for a moment and see where it takes you. There is no such thing as the experience of the real. The real is beyond experience. So don't go out and try and find God. Don't try and go out and find yourself. Don't try out and go out and take anything from this world. It's not there. You're not going to be satisfied by it. It's not going to happen. That may seem very depressing, and it is, as long as you always believed that something was out there. You know, I don't know how many years I spent longing to be an artist in a brick brick loft in downtown Manhattan, you know, casually drawing designs that people would pay millions of dollars to own, you know, <laughs> thinking that somehow that would be my fulfillment, somehow that would be the pinnacle of it. Or at another period of my life when I sat there with my desk lamp turned on myself playing my Donny Osmond record at full level on my plastic turntable and singing to my, to my, my microphone, you know, which was actually a marker. Just, you know, belting out puppy love <laughs> and imagining, you know, thousands of people in a stadium clapping and adoring. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. As long as you believe those things are what you are and what you need. My God, what a hungry life you live. What a stressful life you live. For no matter how many people love you, there's always the chance they won't tomorrow. For as many great performances as you give. There's always the chance you won't the next time. And even if you manage to give a whole 20 or 30 years of great performances, you're going to reach that age where your voice is going to crackle and somebody's going to turn to their friend and say, oh, it isn't like it used to be. <laughs> and if you've built your life on that identity, what are you then? You're a used to be, a has been. This is discrimination. This is understanding. Change the room in your heart. Change the perspective of your mind. Understand that reality, the reality of what you are, is not something you can experience. It's not something you're going to go get. Not something you're going to earn or build. The real is beyond experience. All experience is in the mind. You know the real by being real. Sri Nishragadatta says. What does that mean? That means a spontaneous being that you don't reflect from a calculated mind. That light that's coming from that point within you, that infinite light, it's not bouncing off of a thousand mirrors of speculation before it comes out the other side. It's not sitting there. You can always tell if you're in an argument with somebody or you're just having a conversation with somebody. I heard this on NPR. It's not my idea. <laughs> I was sitting out in the parking lot and they were having a conversation on listening and how odd it is that we don't ever have any classes on how to listen when it's one of the fundamental tools that we need to be successful in this world. 
So they were talking about what does it mean to listen? And she, the, the, the speaker brought up a really good point, and I found it to be very true for me, and I'm, I'm, I hope it's not true for you, but I hope that it is because I assume it is. <laughs> this notion that when another person is talking, most of the time you're trying to come up with your response. More, and, and once you come up with your response, you don't listen until they stop. And then you give your response. That's not listening. Listening is hearing everything that they say, asking questions about it, understanding exactly what it is they mean, and then asking more. You know, that's listening. That's trying to understand somebody. Hearing enough ideas to think, oh, they're wrong because of this. Oh, but they didn't think of this. Oh, wait, I've, I've got a good one for that. That's not listening. You know, that's not being real. That's being ego. That's being a presumed self. That's staying true to your assumptions and to your weaknesses and to your, your calcified ideas of living. Being real is being present. Being real is having no agenda of self, not trying to exhibit any, any facade of being. I'm great, I'm smart, I'm rich, I'm handsome, I, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm straight, <laughs> or whatever it is. Letting go of all of those things. Being real is your nature. Being spontaneously loving. Being spontaneously caring. Being spontaneously giving. Being spontaneously present, always ready to help. Again, I'm going to bring up that wonderful quote by the, the, the peace pilgrim, that woman that walked out of her home and renounced everything for the sake of peace. She said that every moment is new. To her, she viewed every moment as an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to give. And I thought, God, that's a beautiful way to live, a beautiful way to live. We talked about that this week in our Holy Mother class, that everything else we do in life should be incidental to that, that we don't go to the grocery store to get groceries and come home and feed ourselves. We go to the grocery store to be open to an opportunity to serve, and we incidentally get groceries. We don't go to work to punch in our eight hours and get our paycheck to pay for our vacation. We go to work to find an opportunity to give and to care and to be. And incidentally, we do our job. We don't take a walk for exercise. We take a walk to expose ourselves to opportunities for service. And incidentally, we get our exercise. This is being real. This is being unselfish. This is finding that oneness and that wholeness of what you are already. This is what will come from taking the chance of being different from what you've defined yourself to be, from opening the roof of your head and finding a new watermark in your being. Your real being is love itself, and your many loves are its reflections according to the situation at the moment. That's a wonderful thing just to sit and ponder, to meditate. So this week, if you have some time, when the auditorium's empty and silent, come in and read that little phrase, your real being is love itself, and your many loves are its reflections, according to the situation at the moment. And incidentally, your hates are also its reflections, according to the, the, the situation of the moment. You know, those things that you so passionately hate at one moment might change. I used to think that I hated, uh, what's that horrible thing called? Brussels sprouts <laughs> when I was a kid. You couldn't, you couldn't put one of those things down my mouth with a missile. And nowadays I, I love them. I don't know when that changed. I don't even know how that changed. But I find that an odd thing. That something that at one time caused such misery in my life now is a great thing. I totally enjoy it. If you look even at that simple and silly uh, presentation, think about the things that you're really attached to right now that really cause you a lot of stress, that really cause you a lot of hate. Add 10 years to it. Is it going to be that big of a deal? You know? You look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm looking so old. Ten years from now, you're going to think, God, I look so young in that picture. 
So why not be glad about looking young today? No matter how old you are, think what you're going to say in 10 years. <laughs> you know, understand that these things, they're not important. They're, they're ripples on an infinite sea that never changes, that's ever free and ever pure. That this light that you're tracing on the writing of a page is your writing of love, the writing of desire in your life, the things that you thought were beautiful, the things that you thought were wonderful. Know that they are, and know everything else that you can't keep in your mind at the same moment are as well. And be alive. Be alive. We say that it is freedom that we are to seek, and that freedom is God. It is the same happiness in everything else, but when man seeks it in something which is finite, he gets only a spark of it. The thief, when he steals, gets the same happiness as the man who finds it in God, but the thief gets it only in a little spark with a mass of misery. The real happiness is God. Love is God. Freedom is God. What is this idea of the thief? We've talked about that recently, too. I don't remember when it was. But this idea that the ego is the thief. You see, all of, this, all of this beauty that's happening here, it's an offering to God. And it goes directly to God, because God is behind you. God, God is you. He's standing there. You know, I, I remember praying one time. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. I was complaining, I, you know, justifying myself, actually, with my struggles. I was telling Mother, I was like, Mother, you know, if you had this mind, and you had this life, and you had to deal with what I have to deal with in the day, you would do the exact same thing I did. And you know what, mother, at that point, however she does these things, poked me in the side and chuckled, and she said, exactly. There is no you here. Me looking through your mind, me living through your body, is me living through your mind and looking through your body. You've assumed it was you. You know, the ego has gotten up in the middle. Now, how does it do that? Because that ego, when it eats a Brussels sprout, it doesn't send that, 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 that experience directly to the beloved. It doesn't offer it like a flower on the shrine. You know, here, Ma, this Brussels sprout's for you. No, it grabs that experience out of the middle and makes its own decision about it. Blech. I don't like this. You know? And then never gives it to mother. Or takes it and says, ooh, I love this. And still never passes it on to mother. So it's a practice you can do. In the things, when you smell a flower, as you're smelling it, don't think about the fragrance. Change rooms in your mind for a moment. Don't think about the fragrance. Offer the fragrance as it's happening to your beloved who's there with you. As you're sitting there feeling that, that intensity, either it's an intensity of love or an intensity of pain, whether it's a great thing or a bad thing that's going through your mind, Instead of grabbing it and experiencing it alone, step aside for a moment, change rooms, hand it directly to the beloved. Give it a new color, a new offering, a new intimacy. Let it become part of a relationship. Let it become part of a dance. Let it be separate from you because you're ever free and ever pure, ever beloved. Make it a part of that relationship and live this life closer to your nature, closer to that purity, closer to that freedom, closer to that forgotten childhood where you were so well taken care of. For God has never stopped taking care. Yoga is the science by which we stop chitta from assuming or becoming transformed into many faculties. As the reflection of the moon on the sea is broken or blurred by the waves, so is the reflection of the Atman, the true self, broken up by the mental waves. Only when the sea is stilled to mirror-like calmness can the reflection of the moon be seen, and only when the mind stuff, the chitta, is controlled to absolute calmness is the self to be recognized. Each individuality must be cultivated. Everyone will meet at the center. Imagination is the door to inspiration and the basis of all thought. All prophets, all poets, and discoverers have had great imaginative power. The explanation of nature is in us. 
The stone falls outside, but gravitation is in us, not outside. Those who stuff themselves, those who starve themselves, those who sleep too much, those who sleep too little, they cannot become yogis. Ignorance, fickleness, jealousy, laziness, and excessive attachment are the great enemies to success in this yoga practice. There are three great requisites. And they're going to come here in a moment. But let's step back and look at some of this idea. It's the mind alone that's, that's breaking up this light of love. By having this ego that's refusing to offer everything equanimously to the feet of the divine and grabbing it and forming opinions and, and making it part of itself and forming an identity of limitations and restrictions. You know, Vivekananda, it's one of my favorite quotes of his, he's, when he says, all you are is a set of limitations and restrictions. <laughs> I love that idea. To think that my personality, which I just love, <laughs> that this glamorous, wonderful self that I've become is nothing but a set of limitations and restrictions on what? On infinite love, on infinite freedom, on infinite purity, on infinite selflessness. I've taken this infinite and I've clamped down this odd shape, you know, of finite self and, and walk around showing it to everybody. Look, 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 me, 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 me. Ooh, I'm going to add that. <laughs> Ooh, I want yours. <laughs> and we go around like this, just adding more limitations, more restrictions, more things that are going to fade away, more things that are going to keep us hungry as we continue to build this imaginary self that has no existence, instead of simply being real, simply being present, taking the world as it comes and loving it fully, enjoying it deeply. But you have to cultivate this freedom after you've built yourself in this little fortress of, of, of limitations, this thing that keeps vibrating and changing and decaying and growing and adding and dying and all those things, you have to cultivate this oneness. And here are the three great requisites according to Vivekananda. First, purity, physical and mental, all uncleanness, all that would draw the mind down must be abandoned. Those things that draw your mind into the world, that draw your mind into difference, what are they? They're things that you attach me and mine to, that you attach, that you attach your identity with. All of those things that drag you down. you know, Everything, all demands of the mind, all demands of the body, they have to be abandoned. You take care of it as it does. You know, If you're in the moment and you're present, you'll do the right thing. It's, it's, it's weird ideas about food that, that make us eat too much. It's weird ideas about food that make us eat too little. If we had a balanced, casual, <laughs> even-minded self when we sat down, we would naturally not eat to the point of discomfort when we get up. It would naturally happen. But we have odd ideas about it. I find in myself, you know, it's like <laughs> when I think about having a dessert, that's an exception, like, ooh, I can have a dessert. And so then while you're having dessert, you want to have as much dessert as you can so that you're not having to really do without it when you can't have your dessert. <laughs> and it's that kind of, that kind of little, what do you call that? <laughs> that we have about things that cause us to get unbalanced, you know, that cause us, that cause us to lose that equanimity. Something makes us go, and we grab a little extra, or, and we push it away, whatever it is. That is the voice of ego, that voice of separation, that impurity of selfishness. So let go of selfishness. Let go of your needs by trying to make every, every moment an opportunity for service. Second, this one's much nicer, <laughs> patience. He says, at first, there's going to be wonderful experiences, wonderful manifestations. But he warns you, he says, they're going to cease. This is the hardest period. But hold fast. In the end, the gain is sure if you have patience. It's taken, it's taken you all the years of your life, and if you want to believe in reincarnation, the many additions of hundreds, thousands, millions of lives, to, to build the fortress of mind that you've constructed, 
to build the worldview that you experience, it might take you just as long to undo it. Fortunately, there's other forces in there like grace that the, and, and, and the healing nature of love itself that will make it faster, really. But be patient. Take small steps. Be kind to yourself on the journey. Be nice to yourself when you fail. Pick up and get going again. Discriminate for a moment and think about the effects of, of, what, of what you've encountered in that fall and let it work itself out. Keep the light of mother, keep that light of love present inside. It will come out. It'll work out. You'll become what you have always wanted to become. You'll reach the goal. It's with you all the time. Step back again. Clear the moment. Return to its purity. Let it all go for a moment. There's no need to, to, to kick yourself around the block for a day before you can feel good about yourself. There, there, there's no need to punish yourself for 30 minutes before you feel a little bit of light and a little bit of self-forgiveness. No value in that. Immediately, open yourself up to the moment. The moment is love. The moment is light. Be present. Enjoy this walk with God. Make it a dance. Make it an intimate relationship. Make it a beautiful experience of seeing things in a different way. Third, perseverance. There's a story in the book of Luke in the Bible about a widow. And Jesus tells this story. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, please give me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? <laughs> That's an odd story, but it's a true one. Persevere. Don't give up. Keep chipping away at it. You know, uh, this is an important one because spiritual life, it's a slow process. And because we are in a relative world, we really can't see the progress from within our own self. And people are quite, quite uh, sparing in, in giving us the feedback from outside. Oh, what a wonderful person you've become. <laughs> Not many people say that. If you think that of somebody, tell them. <laughs> Maybe it'll help them persevere. But keep going on this path. If you don't see any change for a long time, doesn't matter. We're not doing it for the change. We're doing it because we, it's what we are. Because we know that we will only be happy and only fulfilled when we are fully present. Fully able to express love without a, a guarding ego that limits it and, and portions it out in little sparks to the different thieves around us. Now, persevere. Keep going. He gets very particular here, and uh, I like this. This is from his uh, lectures, Five Lessons on Raja Yoga. I think that's what it's from. And he actually gives a little uh, guided meditation here. I'm going to read it through. We don't have time to practice it. But this is something you can take home and something that you can do that will help you uh, meet this. He's talking about this in the very same lesson in which he gives those three requirements. Can we remember what the three requirements are? Can I remember what they are? Purity, right? There it is. Purity, patience, and perseverance. All right? That's three Ps. <laughs> I should have gotten that in the lecture somehow. So those three Ps. He says, holy meditation helps to burn out all mental impurities. All who are not yogis are slaves. Bond after bond must be broken to make us free. He says, the best time for practice is the junction of day and night, the calmest time in the tides of our bodies, the zero point between two states. If this can't be done, then practice it upon rising and going to bed. So that's the minimum at the junctions of the day, you know. 
to take your time and sit with the beloved, sit with your highest ideal, whatever that may be. It doesn't even have to be a being. It can just be an ideal. It can just be your highest idea of love. What's the most loving thing? What is the definition of love? You know, it's not a limited experience. You don't have to sit there and fool yourself into something. You know, if you're an atheist and don't want to, to believe in, a, in a, a teddy bear God that you carry everywhere, then don't. Sit with an idea. Sit with the concept of love. If you've had an experience of the divine or you feel that love inside, take that love. Take your beloved. Have a teddy bear God. And you'll meet your teddy bear God. You know, in no way am I saying that in a way to, to, to devalue it. I'm just saying that this is open to everyone who wants to, wants to have this experience of, of self, this experience of life. So take this holy meditation. All can find the reality beyond. Okay, that's one sentence with a period. Everyone can find it. This is not for a handful of people. This is not for a particular type of people, a particular subset of people. All can find it, he says. All can find the reality beyond. If God is true, we must feel him as a fact. If there is a soul, we ought to be able to see it and feel it. The only way to find out if there be a soul is to be something which is not the body. Great personal cleanliness is necessary, at least a daily bath. <laughs> Why? Because what you are inside, you're outside. Right? If you're not taking time to clean up the out, outer world, chances are you're not taking time to clean up the inner world. You know, Take that orderliness, that cleanliness of your environment, because <laughs> that's the environment you have to operate in. If you have to run out of the house and you don't ever put your keys in the same place twice, it's a lot of stress when you have to run out of the house. And chances are your husband or your wife is very stressed also. What did you do with the keys? <laughs> Why don't you always hang them on the hook? <laughs> so set up your outside world that's conducive to non-stress. Keep it clean. Keep it orderly. Know where things are. That way inside you can set up the mind in the same way. After bathing, sit down. Hold the seat firm. That is, imagine that you sit as firm as a rock, that nothing can move you. Hold the head and shoulders and the hips in a straight line, keeping the spinal column free. All action is along it, and it must not be impaired. So sit up straight, sit solidly in a way that you don't have to think about. You know, at, at first, I really encourage you to try good posture. Watch a few Yo YouTube uh, videos on good posture from some yoga instructors. At first, it's very uncomfortable. But do an experiment. Sit the way you want to sit, you know, slouch down, and stay like that for an hour and feel how it feels, the tension in the neck and the back. And then be uncomfortable at first, making yourself sit up and sit, sit in that position for an hour, and you'll understand why it's important. So turn it into a habit, and that way you don't have to think about it. So the first few weeks of meditation might be a little bit discomforting, where you're having to think about sitting up straight and not letting yourself sag and lay down in the chair. I remember in high school, boy, if that wasn't a vision, to look around the room at how high schoolers sit in chairs. It's like they're laying. They're, <laughs> they're draped over these chairs. So this, is, this great personal cleanliness is necess necessary. Doing at the junctions of the day, the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. Take a bath. Sit down. Find a firm seat. Sit up. Imagine that nothing can move you. Then he says, begin with your toes. And think of each part of your body as perfect. Picture it so in your mind. If your toes hurt, let that hurting be perfect. If they're crooked and gnarly, let that crooked and gnarliness be perfect. Desire no change for them. Just see them in perfection. It's perfect the way it is. Picture and think of each part of your body as perfect. Picture it so in your mind, touching each part if you prefer to do so. Pass upward bit by bit until you reach your head thinking of each as perfect and lacking nothing. Then think of the whole as perfect, an instrument given to you by God to enable you to attain truth, the vessel in which you are to cross the ocean and to reach the shores of eternal truth. When this has been done, what has been done, take a long breath through both of your nostrils and throw it out again. 
and then hold it out as long as you comfortably can. Take four such breaths, then breathe naturally and pray for illumination. I meditate on the glory of that being who created this universe. May he illuminate my mind. Sit and meditate on this for 10 or 15 minutes. Tell your experiences to no one but your guru. Talk as little as possible. Keep your thoughts on virtue. What we think is what we become. That's Vivekananda's way of coming to this place of perfect love and perfect harmony, perfect existence, fearlessness, absolute freedom. It's simple. If you want to read it for yourself, uh, the last part of this anyway comes from his complete works, the complete works of Swami Vivekananda. His, it's the first lesson in six lessons on Raja Yoga. I would say only stick to the first lesson <laughs> unless you're going to become a Raja Yogi. All right. So change rooms in your mind for a day. Stretch out beyond the assumed limits of your heart and your mind. Take a new perspective of understanding and love. Know that you are that point of light, which is a perfect reflection and a complete reflection of absolute love, absolute intelligence, absolute existence, that your life is your art. It is the point of a pen on a piece of paper. Live with consciousness in the same way that you consciously create a drawing or write a letter. Be aware. Watch closely. Don't let your ego turn into a thief that robs your beloved of the relationship that is naturally happening between you as you live your life. Hand everything over. Don't have opinions about it. Don't form ideas of like and dislike. Offer it all equally. See yourself from your toes to your head as perfect and lacking nothing so that when you walk into this moment, you don't feel the need to change it, but you can exist freely in it and understand that it is divine. It is the very sense of your I am. Grab onto that. Live in that. Watch it flow through you and know that that will never end that this moment has no beginning and no end, that it is eternal, and that you do not exist in this moment, but this moment exists in you. And in that lies freedom. Why not be free?